Hello, and welcome to the Midweeks with Pastor Rob. That's me. I want to continue talking about Romans today. I want to get into Romans chapter 7. We've been working through Romans, and um, I've been doing uh, messages on Romans on Sunday mornings, as well as trying to fill in the passages that I don't address on Sunday morning with the Midweeks and working through this book. It's been a really great um, journey for me, just going deeper into the faith through hearing the gospel in the book of Romans. And one of the things that we need to talk about is the law. Uh, It's one of the key themes of the book of Romans. What do we do about the law, the law of Moses and God's holy requirements for Israel that are expressed in the law, and especially in the uh, four books of the Pentateuch, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. One of the reasons why I think this is such a big topic in the book of Romans is, like we were saying before, there was a a fairly substantial Jewish Christian um, community in Rome. And one of Paul's goals is to teach them how to live together with the Gentile converts. You know, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, and so Peter's the apostle to the Jews. Paul's the apostle to the Gentiles, and so it's kind of like two groups of people both coming to Christ, and they really needed to figure out how to do life together. Much of Moses' law, the law that came through Moses, was designed to uh, cause a separation between the Jewish people and the pagans whether it was the food laws or the purity laws, it caused a separation. And so even when the Jewish people would be living in a Gentile city like Rome, uh, they would have very little interaction with the Gentiles. Like they wouldn't go into their homes or wouldn't be able to eat with them and stuff like this. And so these questions come up, like now that we're in Christ, what do we do about spending time together, Jews and Gentiles? How do we eat together? What do we do with the law? And so Paul has to address it for their sake, as well as... um, There were times when Gentiles were getting sucked into coming under the law in an unhelpful, unfaith-filled way. And so that's what Galatians was about. The Christians in Galatia weren't Jewish people, but they were being taught that they needed to kind of become Jewish people if they were going to stay Christians and especially get circumcised. And so uh, Paul needs to bring Christian thought um, under the rule of the gospel and give a heavenly perspective on what to do with the law. Um, And so he spends like this whole chapter addressing it very specifically, though it pops up many times in this book. And so um, chapter 7 reads this, Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? Thus a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit to God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. What's going on here? Okay, this issue of how do we live now, um, Paul 
brings it up in a specific way in the beginning of chapter six. Should we go on sitting because we're because um, we're under grace? So the question is, are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? And in that question, he brings up this whole topic of how do we live now as Christians? We've been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. We admit that we're hopeless on our own. We're stuck under the wrath of God. We're stuck in sin. We've fallen short from the glory of God. And so we're turning to God through Christ by faith, excuse me, and are being justified as a free gift by the redemption of Christ. That is his cross. His blood has been shed for us. The sacrifice has been made. And so we have righteousness by faith. So how do we live? And Paul is saying we do not just um, dive into sin because we're forgiven. In fact, we learn to hate sin because we have died with Christ and been risen from the grave. But we still need to talk in depth about what do we do about the law. And so Paul is addressing more specifically than the Gentiles. He's talking to the Jewish people. And we know that because he says, I am talking to those who know the law. So he's specifically addressing those Christians in the congregation, who probably Jewish Christians who for whom the law is a big deal. And we'd probably be advocating that, yes, we must um, live under the law in order to be living a life pleasing to God. And he wants to undercut any thought that someone can be saved by obedience to the law. He just wants to totally destroy that idea so that people would just be keeping their faith in God and in Jesus Christ and in the Spirit. So he says, I'm talking to you who know the law. What does the law say about um, how death impacts the law? Okay, this is the big idea. Okay, you guys know the law. What happens when somebody dies? And the answer is when somebody dies, then the law does not hold them anymore. And he goes to marriage as an example. If two people are married married, and one of them commits adultery, the law says that person needs to be punished. And in the Mosaic law, it would be they, they need to die. And he says, but if the husband dies and the woman remarries, then she's not an adulteress. Because why? Because death has separated that husband from the woman and that husband from the law and even that woman from the law because her husband has died. She's no longer bound by that law that required them to be um, faithful to each other in this marriage. He says, in the same way, so he's drawing an analogy, when you have died with Christ in baptism, you have been separated from the legal requirements of the law for the punishment of our sins so that we can be remarried, we can belong to another, belong to Christ, who is the only one who is actually able to transform us from the inside out through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so he's working on these ideas and he's wanting to say, look, the law is a good law. He'll say that in the next section here. The law is good. It was given by God through angels. It was, it's a holy law. It's a pure law. There's nothing wrong with it. But because we're sinners, we have a broken nature, a corrupt nature, and are living in a world under God's wrath. Sin uses the law against us. 
And so the law is no longer our friend, even though it's holy and good because we are not naturally holy and good. The law is not our friend. It can only condemn us. It can only call forth God's wrath on us. So we actually need to be delivered from God's law. And this is an important thing to think about because God's law isn't the enemy. It's an expression of his goodness and his holiness. And so um, what do we need when it comes to God's goodness and holiness? We need to actually be rescued from God's goodness and holiness because we're sinners and we're not good and we're not holy. So we need a rescue. And so part of that rescue is that with Christ, we die to our sin. We die to the holiness of God. We die to the goodness of God. And in Christ, we are resurrected to true holiness and true goodness, but now without the calls for condemnation that the law requires for us because we've already died. You, you know, you, you can't be arrested and tried for the same crime twice. Did you know this? This is like, I think it's called the laws against double jeopardy. If I steal a stereo system and I'm caught and I'm convicted and I pay a fine or I go to jail for a month, when I get out of prison, they can't arrest me again and say, you know, we really just don't like you, so we're going to try you for stealing that stereo again and give you another month in jail for that. You can't do that. You can only try and convict a person one time. And I think there's the same analogy here, you know. In Christ, my sins were tried and convicted. I was proclaimed guilty and and I, I died in Christ and now I'm alive post my own judgment. And so now I don't look to the law for anything Um, As far as righteousness goes, it can only convict me, and I've already been convicted in Christ, and now I'm free from the law because I can't be tried twice for it. So there's another kind of analogy for helping understand what's going on here, but this is the big truth that Paul wants us to understand. Um, The law is holy and good. I'm not holy and good. And what I needed to do is not try to measure up to the standard of holiness in God's law. I needed to get separated from the demands for holiness from God's law. And Christ's death and my union with his death is what brings about that separation in the justice and righteousness of God so that I can come to Christ without the demands of the law and without Satan being able to demand my punishment because of the law, and I can have a peaceful, righteous standing in Christ before God, and now live and bear real fruit to God through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what the next section of uh, this letter will explain more thoroughly and lead us to. Have a great day.